Hello and welcome to the Skytime Podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that promotes Sky and profiles the people that drive the island's economy. It's also a celebration of Sky's vibrant history, culture and environment. It aims to gently persuade visitors to spend more time, get off the beaten track and experience more of what our island has to offer. For the second week in a row, I've escaped my home studio to bring you the podcast from another great location on Sky. This week, I'm at a true Sky institution, Seamus's Bar at Sligahan. For decades, it's been a haven from poor weather for some, and a reward after a long day climbing the Coolan Ridge for others. I'm going to explore the history of the bar and its place in the heart of many a climber. I'll also look at how the management and staff are coping with new COVID-safe operating processes and procedures. I'm in Seamus's bar with the owner, Deirdre Curley. Deirdre, take me back to the beginnings, the origins of the bar. How was it created? Yeah, so when my parents um, first moved to the Isle of Skye, um, to take over the business. Seamus's Bar didn't actually exist, so they built it, it must be about 31 years old now, Seamus's Bar. The name is of my golden retriever growing up. His name was Seamus, and he used to always wander from the house that we grew up in on the hill all the way down, and he was a really kind of famous dog around Sligishan Hotel, so they decided to name it after him, so that's why it's called Seamus's Bar. It's got iconic status and it's different to any other bar and sky. It's it's big for one thing. Was that the aim that you'd have a big venue? I think just because of like where we're situated, we saw it more like as a kind of outdoor wet weather centre, you know, food, drink, family friendly. Obviously we built the play park outside. But yeah, I guess it was just like to kind of cope with the amount of people that would come here on holiday. We knew that it, we could make it quite big. Um, historically obviously it's kind of changed throughout the years but at one point it was kind of half a playroom and things like that for kids and pool tables and stuff but as kind of maybe skies got even busier we've created like some more dining space and space for Kayleys on Saturday nights and things like that. It's got great connections with the climbing community. You must see some sights during the the season of people coming in in a pretty weary, bedraggled state. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's what's quite nice about this bar. It's really quite kind of laid back and everyone feels welcome no matter what state they come in after a day on the hills. Obviously it's like on wet days, everyone's absolutely soaking, but we have the fire on and get it right, nice and cosy and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's great. Like, we meet people from all walks of life and there's so many people that come up here and, like, fulfil dreams of theirs, like the Inaccessible Pinnacle and the Coolin Mountain Ranges and things like that. So there's always a really good buzz when people come down and have their first pint after a day out in the hills. <laughs> there's also a, a serious side to it as well. You help out a lot with the mountain rescue team tell me about some of the instances where you've assisted them yeah I mean actually funnily enough there was a lady that was camping quite close to us and her mum and her sister had just gone out in the hills and she was expecting back at you know nine o'clock this was just on Saturday night here it kind of happens all the time Um, and you know she was so upset she was French so there was a slight language barrier but she couldn't get in touch with her her sister and her mum and you know we ended up having to phone the police and then we got somebody that we knew from the mountain rescue to go and look for them and this was about 11 o'clock at night 
So instances happen all the time. Thankfully, they did get found. They just got lost. And it wasn't like a big rescue. But, you know, because of where we are and where we're based, we've always got notes of people who are out on the hills and when expected back. Obviously, we try and fundraise a lot for the mountain rescue. What they do is absolutely incredible. We've also, like, supported them by giving them the land to build their facility here at Sligacan. So, yeah, we work really kind of quite closely with them um, as much as we can. And they're just so invaluable. One of the things you've been doing in, in recent years is fundraising for a statue to two of the pioneers of cool and climbing, Collier McKenzie. Tell me about them. Yeah, so they were two climbers who basically adored Sky and would spend kind of all their holidays up here in room 15. Like they had their rooms that everyone still remembers. And, you know, I believe like they helped map the Coolins, and that's kind of why it's such an amazing statue and it's going to be at the foot of the Coolins because it was actually themselves that kind of mapped these paths and walks. So where are you with the fundraising for the the statue and and where will it go eventually? They have raised all the funds that they need so I think it's Sky Sculpture Group um, and they've been raising funds for years and we've been helping them raise funds through here and made a donation to get it made. It's coming over from Ireland so the statue has actually been made already and in September will be the launch of it and it will literally just be over Sligacan Bridge and just sitting at like the foot of the Coolins, like looking out really quite a big statue but like when I've looked at the images of it it's going to be completely stunning and I think a really nice part of history to have both of them there kind of looking at the view that they loved. <laughs> You've had a scaled down model of the the statue in, in the bar for quite some time what's going to happen with that? Well, I think we'll keep that. Um, it would be weird not to have it. I think everyone recognises it now, but it will be really amazing to see it in such a massive scale now. We're just before 12 o'clock and the, the bar will be opening soon. How busy does it get? It's the middle of the week. Will it be busy this lunchtime? Yeah, it will actually be busy this lunchtime. During the week, it's always been quite busy, but I would say it's become busier because of the government's eat out to help out. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we tend to be completely full for dinner anyway um, and lunches. So it does seem to be getting a lot of kind of the locals out as well, um, which is really nice and treating their families, which is great. So how satisfying is it after all of these months to finally be opening and doing what you do best? Yeah, no, it's really great, actually. Like, it was really so unpredictable whether we'd be able to reopen. And it's been so nice kind of coming back to work. It's actually been really nice also only being able to have a certain amount of people in here because, you know, you kind of enjoy it more and there's, like, more... It just seems to be a wee bit more relaxed this year. Normally, you know, we now do table service. It used to be queue at the bar and people would just queue and wait outside for tables, whereas we can't have that going on anymore. So it's actually just really, really nice to have slightly reduced numbers in here. (laughs) And, yeah, just we all seem to love being back and we're kind of over that hurdle of feeling quite exhausted when everything just suddenly went back full force again and everything sort of calmed down. Great. Well, I'll catch up with you later. I'm away to find your husband. Hello. Could we have lunch for two? Uh, yes, of course you can. Um, I'll just need to take some contact details from you for traffic yes, tries, if that's okay. Thank you. Will it take a long time for you to be so busy? What's that, sir? Will it take a long time because you look so busy? No, it shouldn't. No, it should be fine. Yeah. Are you in a rush, are you? No, we're not in a rush. Not in a no, rush, we're not in a rush. But, but not hungry. in a... Well, we're going to steak some beef first. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, would you like to sit inside or outside? You would love to sit outside. Is there a table out there? I haven't had a look recently. There might be that one. Okay, I'm with uh, Gary Curley, one of the directors of the business. Gary, in a normal year, and this is obviously not a normal year, how many people would you have coming through the door of Seamus's on an average tourist season day? I mean, in the height of the the kind of tourist season, you know, we can be serving, you know, six, seven hundred covers a day. But, you know, if, if you add on the people who are also coming in to have coffees and try the whiskies. You know, you're, you're talking you're nearly a thousand people a day coming through your doors, you know, including the hotel as well. Um, so it can be extremely busy. That's a huge logistical challenge as well, producing all of those meals. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, we we source all of our like products from local suppliers as much as we can as well. So it is a challenge sometimes to meet that volume and also still deliver the quality. But we obviously made some operational changes within the kitchen so that we could produce the high quality food uh, at high volumes as well. Seamus has always been known as a, a very relaxed place to go and spend some time and to, to eat. Have you managed to maintain that with all of the additional measures you've put in place to keep it COVID safe? Yeah, I think that we do our best with, with what we're, the situation that we're in. You know, all of the things that have been put in place, even simple things like the screens that we have in front of the, the cashier desks, it's actually hard to hear people from the other side of the screen so it's like we things like that have kind of been interesting but um overall you know the welcome that you get here is the same as it was before and that's kind of what this place is all about it's a very kind of welcoming place it's a fun place to be so we do try and maintain that but obviously it's a bit odd that people are having to be <laughs> to be distanced and, and everything else but um we, we do our best to try and make it feel as though it's you know not changed <laughs> and can people still turn up without a booking or are you insisting that everybody plans ahead yeah so we have kind of put out uh, like on all our social media and websites and things like that that we're recommending everybody makes bookings it makes it much easier to manage you know so that you've not got people crowding at the door and things like that as well and that's worked for the most part you do get occasional people coming up and and, you know trying to get a table and obviously if it's safe then um, we're allowed to do that so yeah but we're encouraging everyone to to book in advance I think that's the, the right thing to do okay can we just have a wander around and look at some of the things that you've put in place to keep everybody safe yeah sure so the first thing I guess let's uh, wander over to the bar everybody loves this bar I, I love staring at the, the whiskies. do you know how many whiskies you've got up there we've got about 380 at the moment and we've usually got around 400 uh, when we're fully stocked so it's pretty incredible but I'm guessing that you're not allowing people to come and stand at the bar as they would traditionally and uh, and gaze at the whiskies and decide which ones they're having. They've got to think ahead. That's correct. Um, we have our whiskey menus, which have got all our whiskies on it, and we'll, we'll allow people to come up if they ask specifically. But the bar area, we've kind of almost cordoned this off, so everyone's seated in the restaurant area, um, and we have this kind of big space here, which kind of helps keep people safe, really. You were talking about uh, screens that you've put up. Let's uh, walk over. You've got a, almost a, a reception desk, uh, so people yep, check in right. here. So that's a, that's a change from last year. Last year, you know, you'd have the host meet you at the door and take you over to the bar where you'd kind of queue up to place your order. This year, we've changed everything. We're doing full table service, and we decided that this was a good point to have like a reception desk, so that when people come to the door, they're obviously met with a nice greeting. But um, it's a it's a point where they they, they stop and and it gives us time to kind of make sure we can manoeuvre people safely around the building. And in the the, the seating area, you've obviously had to spread out the tables. How many covers have you lost as a result of that? We've probably lost about 40% of our covers. 
and you know we, we, we've kind of in most of these places tried to stick to two meters as much as possible i know that it's been allowed that you know with extra mitigating factors that you can actually lessen that slightly uh, but we've tried to tried our best to stick to the two meters it's always been a place that people could come and sit and stay as long as they wanted and i've spent many a long long day here in the past but presumably you need to turn these tables over a few times a day now yeah definitely um that that's another thing that i think has changed slightly about just when you go out for dinner or, or when you go out like you know you're used to kind of sitting around and relaxing and things like that but you know we have to keep the flow going because as more people are coming in we have to have people going out so that we're not over capacity really so yeah that that's slightly different everybody's got a certain amount of time now that they would have at the table so that we've got time in between the next booking to actually do the full kind of clean down and everything else as well so um yeah there's a lot lot more to consider now is that quite awkward having to hustle people out a wee bit i think that Initially, it, it did feel a little bit alien, just because this place is known for, like you say, it's a place that people come and they hang out and it's, it's all about good times, it always has been. So it's, it's a little bit odd for us to be being that regimented, but it, it, obviously that's what we need to do to keep people safe. So, you know, we're, we're committed to doing that and it, it's the right thing to do. So, It must be disappointing for some of the climbers on those particular sky days where it never stops raining and all they want to do is be inside and <laughs> drinking beer yeah i know i know exactly i think that's a bit of a loss to them but some of the climbers and um, the, the mountain rescue guys you know still come in and we'll obviously save a space for them as well so uh, they still get to have their pint <laughs> <laughs> can we go and have a look at the kitchen see what you've done there yep sure You're serving up to about 700 covers a day. That's a, a lot of plates to, to go out. So how have you managed to organise the kitchen? Yeah, so obviously last year we would, be, we would be serving 700 customers. This year it's probably more like you know 300, but it's still a lot of people to, to serve food to. We've re- reorganised this slightly. So obviously front of house staff, this is where they would come to pick up the food. So we've shut off this area here so that you know staff can't access that part of the kitchen. So we're trying to keep everything as separate as possible. And generally there's only one person in here that can take the food in and out as well. So that's two of the measures that we've kind of put in place. But in terms of, you know, still being able to do the volume, the way the kitchen's set up in here, it's set up so that we can deliver that volume. And the guys are the guys are used to it, so you know, three, 300 covers for them is, is pretty easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very hot place to, to work, obviously. Are, are they able to, to keep social distancing or are they essentially a bubble because they work together all of the time? Yeah, so our um, exec chef and head chef are, are, are actually partners. So um, they both live and work together. Um, so essentially we've got them two and we've also got the people that live in the hotel as well. And we try to have the shifts separated so that people are not crossing over too much. Uh, so we do do our best to, do, to manage that. Obviously they put their work clothes on when they get to work as well and they wash them here. So that's other kind of factors as well that we've considered. You can see we've got all these stickers up just to remind people about the, the two metre rule. So yeah, everywhere in the kitchen, we do try to maintain that as much as possible. And obviously the, the stickers are there to remind you because you know even we're all human and sometimes it's easy to forget. So it's great to have the reminders everywhere. Let's go out of the noisy kitchen back into the bar. As you've been saying, you've got reduced capacity, but you've been quite innovative in creating new income streams. Tell me about the, the drive-in movie nights. 
Yeah, so that was that's something that Deirdre and I had been thinking about for, for a while. And I think that, you know, obviously when, when we were in lockdown, we were trying to think of safe ways that we could, you know, bring the community together, you know, before the, the tourist seasons kicked off again. And we just kind of thought, well, you know, a drive-in cinema, what a great way to kind of bring people together, but also allow it to be done in a safe way, like to enjoy a movie and also have food delivered to their cars and things like that. So we'd originally booked it for two nights, but ended up extending it to four. They all like sold out within hours, so they were brilliant nights, really, really great fun, and we're going to do more of them in October, which is great. So that's something that we hope to, to continue doing, um, and I can see they're quite popular ac- across the country now. Uh, but de- definitely a safe way to kind of like have a night out like during the situation we're in, I guess. And what about the, the Cayley nights? When will you be able to start them again? <sighs> that's a tougher question. Who knows? Obviously, that's a big part of this place. We have a Cayley pretty much every Saturday night in here. And we're well known for throwing some of the best parties on Sky. So it's a big loss to us as a business and also you know, as a hub for the community as well. As soon as we're allowed to, you know, we'll, we'll be back doing it. I think at the moment, with the rules about music, things like that, we're not allowed to have music. And obviously, it's very difficult to have a socially distanced Kaylee, you know, because <laughs> it's all about, you know, human contact and, and the dances and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it'll be great when we can finally do that again. And obviously, it's, it's just a sad situation, I think, for businesses that have music and that type of entertainment you know and, and we just can't really can't really do anything right now but despite all the restrictions very much like Deirdre you must be just so relieved to be back up and running and doing what you do best definitely it was very therapeutic coming back to work anybody who's homeschooled any of their kids will know, will know what that's like as well but um, you know we didn't really stop working either when we were in lockdown it's great to be back you know with all the staff that we, who we all love do you know, it's, it is what we do best and like we're, we're glad that we can be open again, you know. OK, I'm going to catch up with you again soon. Um, can I speak to a couple of the staff about how they're finding the new working regime? Yeah, sure. Cameron Moffat. And what's your job title here? So I run the bar alongside uh, Kenneth, who's the, the bar manager. Now, you're a whiskey ambassador. What yeah. does that involve? Yeah, so um, the bosses, Gary, kind of put us through a course last year, which is uh, down in Edinburgh, and it's... Um, like a, it's just the whiskey ambassador course so it teaches you everything from the distilling all the way through to like the specifications of barrels different types of branding all that sort of stuff have you had to taste all 400 whiskies behind the bar i'm not far off it i've been here four years now so yeah one a, one a week or something it's been yeah, nearly there Presumably it's very different this year because you don't have people standing at the bar having yeah. a look at the whiskies, asking uh, for advice. It's yeah. all table service. So how have you found that? So um, it's been quite nice in the sense of having time to chat to customers at the tables, discussing various options. Um, obviously, we're not allowed to let people smell whiskies anymore. So it's a lot of like we have to describe it better. And also, we don't have to deal with the tour groups anymore. So there was uh, busloads of people coming in and everyone was off asking for something different, different preferences and flavor and smells and stuff. So, um, yeah, when it comes to that, it's a bit better to have enough time to discuss and get, get people something special, which they wouldn't normally get in, say, England or abroad. And how have you found things generally working all day in a mask, for example? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit, a bit sweatier. You get used to it, though. I mean, it's been, what, been open about three weeks now, and, yeah, I'm getting used to it. But um, it's obviously not as comfortable as working in. There's less of a bar with the customers. And how have customers been? Are they just relieved to finally get out and about enjoying a drink and a meal? I think so, yeah. Like, like we've had quite a lot, because Sky's got quite an ageing population. The, um, most of the people that have come here will be their first time out of the house in like four months or so. So they're pretty happy to get a pint and a bit of food. 
Yeah, so it's pretty, pretty good for that. Great, thank you. I'll let you get back on. No, no, thank Cheers. You. Okay, if I could just get you to cover your faces until you get to your table. Yep, sorry. And then um, use the hand sanitizer and you're waiting for it. And I'll meet you around the corner and show you. Thank you so much. Thank you. My, my name's Africa. And what's your job title here? I'm the bar manager. How have you found things since uh, you reopened? Easier than I expected, actually. Everyone's been very like understanding of the new rules and procedures, so it's actually been quite chill. It's like not been too difficult, and uh, it's not felt as weird as I thought it would. And how do you find sort of, wearing a mask all day during your, your working time? Mm, moist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just it's not very comfortable, but it's okay, I guess. And what's been the reaction of, of customers? Are they just relieved to be able to go out for a drink and a meal again? Yeah, some of them are. Um, some of them seem quite, like, blasé and, like, yeah, just want fed quickly and, like, like things used to be. But most everyone, yeah, they're just happy to be out and about. And how have you found the sort of additional cleaning that you've had to do to, to keep on top of everything? Is, is that an extra strain on the staff? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I guess, like, as someone that serves food and drink anyway, you do have to, like, maintain quite high standards of hygiene. So, like, it's not really anything too much extra. OK, well, I'll bet let you get back to work because uh, people are starting to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Gary and Deirdre, you've made it through lockdown and we're now into the tourist season, we're getting lots and lots of reports of antisocial behaviour, generally associated with informal camping. But what about in the hospitality sector? Are you seeing any signs of this? Um, I mean, as always, the, ma- the majority of the customers that, that come through your doors are always really nice and, and great to deal with. I think that the, the situation, because of the social distancing and the extra regulations and, and how you have to be more regimented, I think that it can cause a little bit of stress for, for people. So occasionally, you know, you, you can deal with customers who are a little bit irritated by it, which is obviously frustrating for us because we want to make sure that they follow the, the rules and the regulations to keep everyone safe. Um, so that can sometimes pose a challenge, you know, um, just depending on, 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 an, on their attitude. Is some of it, Deirdre, born out of uh, this debate that's going on about the use of masks? There seems to be a real split in the population about the effectiveness of them. Yeah, I think so. Where we are, like most people are, we're now, you know, we want them to wear masks as soon as they come in as well. It's not just when they're outside. So we want them to be wearing them inside the building. And most of, most, I would say the majority most of people, people are, are responding really well, yeah. yeah, to it. I think that's one of, one of the good things, actually, if, you, if you're looking at it from the good side. It's, you know, most people are really taking this seriously. Um, but occasionally... Everyone's human, they maybe forget to put their mask on, things like that, you know, and we just gently kind of remind them. But that's why we've got signs up to remind people that, you know, unless you're sitting at the table, you must be wearing a mask, and that includes going to the toilet as well. Um, so we really do try to enforce it as much as we possibly can. But again, you'll always have one or two that, you know, make it difficult. But thankfully, that's a, a minority. You've got your customers back, but obviously, it's impossible to recover what's been lost from this season. How, how far behind are you compared to last year, for example? Oh, I mean, we're really far behind. Obviously, I think we're lucky that we've managed to get the end of July and August, which tends to be really busy times because obviously it's school holidays and the English school holidays. They've not gone back yet, so we're still quite 
we're still seeing a lot of them coming through our doors, which is great. I think had you know the restrictions been lifted in October, there would have probably been no point opening. Just the costs and you know all the added extra things that we've had to buy in to ensure everyone's safety. Like it's been a huge investment for businesses. So yeah, we've lost obviously a huge part of our kind of income, but luckily we've not lost kind of any staff, and all our staff are back through the furlough scheme as well, which has been a huge support. We've come back strong, Sky's busy, it's picked up, we're lucky with the space we have here. We've been full in our hotel every night since we opened. So in terms of where we are on Sky, we're really lucky in terms of recovery and we just hope to be able to stay open for the rest of the season really. And what about the winter? Have you made plans for for the winter? Because you normally close for a period. Yeah, we would normally close kind of towards the end of December and we would close for January and and reopen kind of second week in February. It's so hard to predict what the demand's going to be like in December. You know, you may have people who didn't get away this summer and they may want to have like a Christmas kind of staycation or a Christmas holiday. So we're kind of keeping an open mind for that. At the moment, um, our bookings for December are, are really quite slow. Obviously, like Deirdre says, we've been full in July, full in August, about 65% occupancy in September, going down to 40% in October. It, so it's, at the moment, it's very hard to predict if we'll be able to stay open in December. But like we said, it's, things are so like changeable in this situation and you might have actually a little bit of a increase in people wanting to go away at Christmas. So we just need to keep playing it by ear and taking each day as it comes, you know. Through lockdown, the hospitality industry was saying it would need support through until the spring of 2021. Is that still the case or have you recovered enough from the season to, to get through on your own? Oh, well, I think we've, we're recovering. I don't think we've recovered yet. We're nowhere close to that. But I think we will need support. I mean, I think hospitality industry is still probably one of the top threats of getting shut. I think if we're having, if we get shut again, we'll need just as much support as we did the first time round, especially if we're wanting to, you know, retain staff and also then being able to kind of reopen again you know there's a huge cost to that so I feel like support is still needed for the hospitality industry I mean we are down to 50% capacity pretty much in here you know but we still need almost more staff. With our business being a kind of we're in a rural area and it's a seasonal like like tourism economy here so we've got kind of challenges that are unique to that in, in terms of you know retaining staff over the quiet months and things like that so that's that's going to be a, a huge challenge if, if something was to happen again and there's not really specific support available for like rural seasonal uh, tourism businesses so that would be something that would be good to look at you know and how do you think things will look this time next year in terms of the international market do you think that will recover i hope so i mean you do sort of see i know there's a lot of kind of areas across Europe and USA that are, you know, still definitely not in a good position in terms of being able to travel and things like that. But I would hope that, you know, we see how this winter goes and hopefully by kind of next year into the new year, there is a bit more freedom for travel. That's kind of all we could we can hope for and hope that, you know, the situation continues to improve um, internationally as well. But Seamus's bar is going to be here for the, the long term. It's going to still be a, an iconic part of the hospitality scene on Sky for a long time to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Deirdre's probably told you, it's been in her family for over 100 years. Seamus's bar is just one of those places that I think, you know, will always be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kind of part of the fabric of, of Sky, really, isn't it? 
Gary and Deirdre, thank you very much for having me at Slugan. Cheers. And that's all for this edition of the Skytime Podcast. If you have a subject, business or project you'd like me to feature, please email simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. Please also get in touch if you'd like to sponsor Skytime or advertise your business on the next podcast. Until then, stay safe. Aikivar. <laughs>